This morning, I want to go back to Abraham, and they've given me plenty of time this morning. Thank you, worship team. So I'm not cutting it short. We're getting out at the same time. I'm just taking longer. I just want to go ahead and shoot that over the bow today. No, but I want to take my time in the scripture today. We're talking about faith. Faith is vital to the Christian life. You can't be saved without faith. That's how you're saved. We're not saved by works. We're saved by God's grace when we put our trust in him. That great miracle of salvation takes place. But faith is not something you need just at the beginning of your journey. Because you need faith from beginning to end. Faith from first to last. You need your faith today. Your faith in God, that is. Faith in Jesus Christ. As much as you've ever needed faith. Our sister Helen has needed faith this week. And you and I need faith this week. And we needed faith last week. We'll need faith tomorrow. But the Bible said, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And lean not to your own understanding. But listen, faith is not faith in faith. Faith is not positive mental attitude, though faith will make you a positive, hopeful person. Faith is faith in God, faith in the person of Jesus Christ. Can I declare my faith today? I'm going to declare my faith to you because I haven't always had faith, but I have faith today. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe that he, rose, uh, he was buried in the grave, and on the third day, he rose out of that grave to never be held by that again. And he today is out the right hand of the Father. And he's interceding for us right now. And he is the great head of the church. And he's coming back soon. Amen. That's where my faith is. I believe that Jesus Christ, I believe what Peter said, there is no other name given under heaven among men whereby we must be saved. Our message on this hill is Jesus Christ. I'll preach it till the day I die. I heard Charlton Heston years ago, he was talking about NRA. They'll pry this gun out of my hands. Well, they'll pry this Bible out of my hands. Amen? Because it's the church's book, and you need to love it, love it, love it. So we've been in Hebrews 11. We talked about old Abel, who speaks, though he's dead. We talked about Enoch. We talked about Noah and his faith. And we talked about Abraham. Now, I'm not going to read that text again, but by faith, Abraham when he got a word from God, he went. God said, leave. He went, and he didn't know where he was going, but he, he went, and he trusted God. And him and Sarah, and even mentioned Sarah there, they had faith. They had the kind of faith that got them in the hall of faith. And they're great people of faith because the word of God says that Abraham's the father of our faith. He's the one that it all started with, and he's like a prototype. But today I want to go to Genesis chapter 18. And we're going to look at three, I'm going to go back to Abraham. There's three roles that Abraham plays in this 18th chapter. Now, if you were in our senior, I call it our seniors prayer meeting. I've given it that name. But I just love our seniors, and I love our seniors prayer meeting on Tuesday. I appreciate Brother Keith. He leads us in a few songs that really helps us get into prayer. And I usually bring a devotion that kind of borders on a sermon, sorry. But... Uh, the, worst, the most dangerous thing you can do is give a preacher a microphone. It is a dangerous thing. Because when we open the Word of God, if you've got any word in you, it will come out. And so I, I, I'll usually bring a word, and then we pray for a bit. And I love our seniors' prayer meeting. And I shared a little bit out of this chapter, the end of the chapter, but the Lord began to put this in my heart. I want to talk. Here's the title. This will be on the screen. Abraham, Servant, Chosen Vessel, and Intercessor. And we see those three things here. So what we're going to see in this chapter is this. Abraham 
is now in the promised land. And one day he was sitting at his tent. It says, and I'll read this in a moment, I'm paraphrasing. He was sitting in the tent door at the heat of the day. And all of a sudden he has three visitors. One of the most incredible house visits anyone will ever receive. Two of these visitors were angelic beings. They were angels. One of these guests was none other than the Son of the living God, the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. We call this, they call this a theophany, an appearance of the Lord in the Old Testament. And all of a sudden, we see in this chapter three roles that Abraham fulfills. The role of a servant. I'm going to talk about servanthood this morning. Is that all right? And then we're going to talk about this person, Abraham, briefly. This will be the briefer part. As a chosen elect person. I believe in election because the Bible teaches election. That means this, that God has selected a group of people to be a part of bringing redemption and a part of redemption history. And who are those people? What are their names? They're the, they're the Jewish people, the Jewish nation, Israel. But it started with this chosen man by the name of Abraham. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And then that, from them came the, the, the 12 patriarchs. From them come the Jewish nation. But more importantly, someone else came in that nation. What's his name? Hmm. Say it again. Jesus. Through the seed, not seeds. The seed of Abraham, our Lord Jesus, would come. He came. He was born, very humble, supernaturally. Born like no one else was ever born. Holy Spirit came upon Mary. And as the Holy Spirit came up, she said, how is this going to happen? I haven't known a man. The, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. That which is, shall be in you will be, will be the Holy Son of God. And Jesus was born supernaturally. Born in Bethlehem's manger. The angels, Hosanna in the highest. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men or toward whom his favor rests upon. Abraham, a chosen vessel, through Isaac, I'm going to give you a son. He's a chosen person of God. And then at the end of this chapter, we see Abraham in the role as intercessor. Let's read it. Genesis chapter 18, verse 1. This will be on the screen. Now the Lord appeared to him by the oaks of Mamre while he was sitting in the tent door at the heat of the day. And when he lifted up his eyes, behold, he looked, and behold, three men were standing opposite. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them. And he bowed himself to the earth. And he said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in your sight, please do not pass by your, your servant by. Please let a, let a little water be brought and wash, to wash your feet. And rest yourself under the tree. And I will bring you a piece of bread that you may refresh yourself. Now think about this. What if Jesus showed up to your house? And you say, oh, I'm a little busy right now. And then later you found out it was Jesus. I don't know that he knew it was the Lord right now. But I know this. I want to pull out the seven-course meal if Jesus comes. And that's what Abraham's doing right here. He's serving the Lord in a big way. He said, I'll bring you a piece of bread. Refresh yourself. And after you may go on, since you have visited your servant. And they said, so do as you have said. So Abraham hurried 
into the tent to Sarah. And he said, quickly, quickly, prepare three measures of flour, knead it, and make bread cakes. And Abraham also ran to the herd, and he took out the very worst that he had, the cheapest off. No, that, let me, sorry, messed that up. Sorry, sorry there. And he took a tender and choice calf. He's going to give the Lord the very best. And he gave it to his servant, and he hurried to prepare it. And he took curds and milk and the calf which he had prepared, and he placed it before them, the Lord and the two angels. And he was standing by them under the tree as they ate. We'll end that reading there, and we'll pick up the reading in the second point in verse 9. So they were eating there. So here's what we see. We see Abraham in the role of a servant. Now I want to show you some things because, listen, no one, no one, certainly not this minister, no one in the church of Jesus Christ is exempt from being a servant of the Lord. No one. And here, listen, here we see one of the greatest men the world has ever known. A man that I've said to you that is, the Lord said in Acts 12, I will make your name great. I will make your name revered. Who do you know today? Name me one person that's ever lived that is revered by Muslims, by Jewish people, and by Christians. And his name is Abraham. Abraham. Here is one of the greatest men to ever grace the pages of human history. And here he is serving. He takes on the role of a servant. Now, I would have you to remember this today, dear ones. Listen, Jesus said, the greatest one among you is what? Is one who serves. So here we have a picture of Abraham, the man of faith, the father of our faith. He gets a surprise visit from the Lord, and he gets a surprise visit with, from two of these angels, and he serves them in an incredible way. The Lord put on my heart to share with us today the, the, some principles of servanthood. Do you want to serve the Lord? Listen to this. If you want to serve the Lord, notice verse 2. Notice he sees the opportunity to serve. Do you see that? The, the opportunity came, and he seized the moment to serve. So let's ask ourselves a question. Do we seize the opportunity to serve? Do we look for opportunities to serve the Lord do you know the best way that you and I can serve the Lord is seize where you are now. I met a gentleman years ago. He was in our church. I pastored in Pennsylvania for, did, let me say it this way. I did missionary work in Pennsylvania for seven years. God bless the Eagles fans. Uh, not really. But anyway, uh, some of the meanest folks you ever met in your life. God bless them. I never reached them. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> and I had a gentleman and I went, when I went to the church, he was a gentleman there that was, was, was in the church. He was in the church the whole time. When I went there, he said, I want a meeting with you. And, and he had this attitude, I know the Lord has something for me. I, I know the Lord has something for me. And it was almost like it was a carrot on a stick that he felt like that was what the will of God was. You realize seven years later, he was still, I know the Lord has something for me. Can I tell you, one of the ways to serve the Lord is seize the moment. What do you see to do right now? Do you know one of the reasons that I'm in the ministry today is because I seized the moment in my church. I mowed the church grass. Pastor, what do you need help with today? Would you drive the van and pick up that group there? Yeah, sure. I'd drive the church van. Whatever my pastor needed me to do, I would do that. 
And I just simply seized the moment. I seized the opportunity in serving the Lord, in the congregation of the Lord. And finally, one day, when a, when a ministry opportunity opened up, the pastor met me. At, uh, I was outside the church. Whether you drive up under the overhang, he put his foot upon that gray little Mazda. He said, Brother Joe, you know there's a real need in our church. And what do you think about coming on staff with us and helping us out in a greater capacity? Do you know if you want to serve the Lord, why don't you be like Abraham and seize the moment of servanthood? Do you know that God puts things all the time? There are opportunities all around us to serve in big ways. And many times, and most of the time, it's in small ways. Seize the moment. Seize the opportunity. Here's what the Lord did. Because I think the Lord selects busy people. I think God's looking for the people that are already busy and being faithful to do something greater. Look at Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. It says, And Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. They were casting their net, a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Are you talking about guys that are busy? Are you talking about hard workers? And look what he said. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Later it says they immediately began to follow him because Jesus saw something in those men because ministry is hard work and he knew that those men were already working and he called them to ministry. Why don't you today lift up your eyes and look for some opportunities that are right before you. Every church member and every constituent is called in some capacity to serve the Lord. No one is simply called to, to sit around and not do something for the Lord. First of all, he sees the moment. Look at the second thing, verse 4. Notice several times in the text, he says, please, please, please don't go by. Please stay here. Don't pass me by. Come on. Don't pass me by, oh gentle Savior. Come on. Several times, I think there was a joy. There's a joy in Abraham's serving. Do you remember what the psalmist said? Shout, for joy, shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Notice Psalm 100, verse 2. Would you look at this on the screen? Serve the Lord with, say it, with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Do you find joy in serving the Lord? Do you find a happiness in your soul, a spiritual happiness when you're serving the Lord? Some don't. You know God's people can complain. I know you don't know that. I know you've never been around anyone like that. Some of God's people are complaining people. I've seen people pray at the altar. Oh, God, use me. Oh, God, use me. And then the pastor say, hey, can you help us out? All that church does is use me. <laughs> Here's what the scripture teaches. Psalm, Psalm, uh, Philippians rather 2.14. Do all things without grumbling and complaining. I mean, when we're doing camera, do it to the joy of the Lord. Amen. When you're doing the ushering, do it to the joy of the Lord. When you're setting up chairs, we do it to the joy of the Lord. When you serve in a meal, do it to the, for the joy of the Lord. We are to serve the Lord with gladness. Abraham said, please let me do this. It was a joy to him. 1 Peter 4, 9 says, be hospitable to one another without complaining. Remember what Martha said? Martha said, you get that Mary in here, Jesus. She's just sitting there. She, all she's doing is listen to sermons all the time. Tell that girl to get in here and help me out. Oh, Martha, Martha, you're worried about many things. She was serving the Lord, but she was complaining about it. 
How about let there be a spirit of joy among us? That everything we do for Jesus is a joy and an honor. Come on, amen, church. That was a good place for you to say amen. Look at verse 2. There was an eagerness in his serving. Verse 2 says, he ran. When, when he said, hey, please stay. Let me serve. Let me serve you. Let me bless you. Let me refresh you. Let me be hospitable to you. And then they said, okay, we'll stay. What did he do? Did he trot off, shuffle in his feet? Verse 7, here's the greatest man of God, almost one of the greatest men to ever live. He ran. Look at verse 6. He hurried. Verse 7, he tells Sarah, hurry, do this. There was an earnestness. There was an eagerness. So here's a question. Does it take a lot to get you to serve? Or do you serve? Are you eager to serve? Are you, are you on go constantly ready to serve the Lord? Or do you have to be prodded and guilted? You know, I mean, some pastors put enough guilt on the congregation. I don't think they do it for the Lord. I just think they feel bad. That's not the way we should be, church. There should be an eagerness, an earnestness. Paul said this, I am under obligation both to the Greeks and the barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish. Verse 17, Romans 1, 15 rather, he said, so for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel. I am eager to serve the Lord. Whether it's preaching or serving in hospitable ways, there ought to be an eagerness about us. And then in verse 3, the, the blessing of his serving. Verse 3 says, if I have found favor in your sight. If I have found favor in your sight. So in other words, Abraham sees this as a blessing. He doesn't see it as a burden. He sees it as a blessing. Now notice what Jesus said. Notice what our Lord said in Matthew 20. I didn't put this in my notes, so I'll just read it. Matthew chapter 20. These are the words of our Lord. Matthew 20 and verse number 20. Here's what the Lord says. And the mother of the sons of Zebedee came to Jesus with her sons Bowing down and making requests. So what's she going to ask? What's mama going to ask for the two boys? What's mama going to ask for the two sons of thunder? Here it is. And he, asked, and, and he said to her, what do you wish? She said to him, command that, your king, command that in your kingdom that these two sons of mine may sit one on your right and the other on your left. Oh, how humble they are. I want the top seat in heaven, Lord. But Jesus answered, you do not know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm going to drink? And they said, yes, we're able. Verse 23, he said, my cup, he said, my cup you shall drink. But to sit on the right and on my left, this is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. Notice verse 24. After hearing this, the ten became indignant with the two brothers. I think they were mad because they didn't ask first. Mama got there before we did. Here's what Jesus said. Verse 25, And Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their great men exercised authority over them. It is not this way among you. Hear this, church. This is, this is a word for the church. It is, not that, it is not to be that way among the church. But whoever wishes to become great 
among you shall be your servant, and whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. What he's saying is this, servanthood is a blessing. We often see in our world, servanthood is a negative, but Jesus said we need to see it differently. Serving is a sign of kingdom greatness. Amen? Now notice this, verse 2. Notice Abraham's humility in serving. Notice this, verse 2, when, these, when the Lord, the two angels came up, notice, he bowed himself to the earth. Now look at this. Here's the greatest, the man of faith, the father of our faith, bowing himself down in the dusty Israel dirt. He's bowing himself down. So in other words, Abraham is showing, showing deep humility. And what did Abraham do? Abraham served the Lord and the two angels with a meal. Now, isn't that what they did for Sister Helen? And her, our ladies served a funeral meal. But we weren't just serving them. We were serving the Lord in them. So whatever we do, we can serve the Lord in a lot of ways, is what I'm saying today. Now, something happened several years ago, a couple years ago, I guess, that really grieved my heart. I never really said too much about it, but we had a couple that came to the church for a very short time, moved on now, and they were in this homeless ministry. And some in the church got involved, and we went, went down a couple times or so. But I saw something that grieved my heart. Because when we serve the Lord, we need to do it with deep humility. And we need to do it unto Him and not whatever. And so I noticed that these folks, we were down there once, and these folks were doing photo ops with the homeless folks. I mean, like people down there like living on the ground and like dirty, and, and they were like doing like selfies and posting it all over Facebook. And it just, it just grieved my heart. It just gave me a kind of a bitter feeling in the pit of my stomach. And I asked myself, is this serving the Lord with humility? Is this what Jesus would do for homeless people and using it as a way to like, we're really humble, we really serve the homeless. And I thought, this is not the Lord. This is not God. How about serving and never telling anyone about it? How about, where, did, where did the giving go without showing anybody? Where did the praying go without doing it in your closet and letting no one know? Do you, you get my drift here? It, Abraham, was, this was true humility for Abraham. He was bowing himself to the ground. It wasn't some fake bowing. He was really bowing. He was ready to serve with deep humility. And also notice this, verses 4 through 8, there was sacrifice in his giving. In the sense that he served them the whole meal. I mean, he got the best calf. He did the very best for them. Why? He was serving sacrificially. And when we serve the Lord, this, it should be sacrificially. If it's to the Lord, there needs to be something that we lose along the way. Here's what Paul said to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 8. He said, Now, brethren, I wish to make known to you the grace of God, which is given to the Macedonian churches. He said this, that in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy. Now notice, and deep poverty overflow to the wealth of their liberality. For I testify that according to their ability and beyond their ability, they gave of their own accord. Here's poor churches, poor Christian people. But yet when they heard other people in the Roman Empire had need, they dug down beyond what they can give. They, maybe they even sacrificed meals and they gave of themselves and gave of their finance this is, this is serving sacrificially unto the Lord. Now notice quickly, as we move along here, 
is in verse 1. I see perseverance in Abraham's service. Notice this. Verse 1 says, in the heat of the day. Say that with me. In the heat of the day. When, when did all this happen? It, it, was it in the cool? Was it in the most convenient time? Was it? When, when was it? It was in the heat of the day. It was in the time that was the most draining part of the day that he was doing this. So here's a question I ask you today, and I ask us. The Lord may call you to a place of hard service, but if he does, he's going to give you the strength to do it. The Lord, the Lord may call you to serve in the heat of the day. The Lord may call you to serve him in a very inconvenient place. But think about this today. Do we shun hard service? Do we quit when it gets hard? Think about that. See, many men and women down through the ages have served in the heat of the day. Read of the great missionaries. Read of the great Hudson Taylors. Read of the great men and women of God who served in hard places, but yet they, they, they did it in the heat of the day, and they just kept on. Now, we talk about faith. Now, look at this. Look at me a second. We talk about faith, and we say, the walls of Jericho came down. And we go, man, what faith they had. And we say, and they crossed the Jordan River on dry ground. Wow. The, the Red Sea parting. Wow, what faith they had. But some people serve in the heat of the day. Because there's more to Hebrews 11 than the first 13 verses, right? So look over this. Put this on the screen if you would. Hebrews eleven thirty six. Look at this. Hebrews eleven thirty six. And others. Say that with me. Others. Who, who are the others? Beside David and, Jer and Barak and beside Abraham and beside, you know, beside all these folks, there's some other folks that also had faith, that also served in the heat of the day, and, and others experienced mocking and scourgings and chains of imprisonment. Well, I, Pastor, quit all that. I thought the modern preachers say if we have faith, we won't have any trouble. I go, I'm going to go by the Bible. Verse 37, they were stoned. They were sawn in two. They think that was Isaiah, by the way. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskin and in goatskins and being destitute and afflicted. Men whom the world was not worthy. Hear this? Wandering in deserts and in mountains and in caves and the holes of the ground. And all of these having gained approval through their faith. They had real faith did not receive what was promised because God had provided something better for us so that apart from us, they are not made perfect. They're not made complete. What am I saying? I'm saying you see Abraham and he's serving in the heat of the day. Some of you may have to serve in the heat of the day. Just persevere in it. Just keep serving. Look at this, verse 8. And then lastly, as far as Abraham as being a servant, Notice the attentiveness of his service. Verse 8. He had begged them to stay. Please stay. He gathered everything. It took time to cook all that stuff. He, I can just see him serving them. Are you all right? Are you, are you well? Are you, here's some more water. Have a little goat's milk if that, you're into that. You know, whatever. But notice this. As they were eating, what was Abraham doing? And I've met people like this. I've met mamas like this. That will stand around during Thanksgiving while everybody else is eating, and they'll eat last. Look at this. Look at how tender he is. Verse 8, he was standing by them under the tree as they ate. 
He was making sure that they were having all their needs met, totally focused on the needs of others. You know what? In a day of deep self-centeredness, isn't that refreshing to read? In a day of, of me, 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 isn't it great to see the father of our faith and he's standing there and he's attentive to the Lord and he's attentive to the two angels. Does, I don't know that he knows they're angels. Maybe he has a feeling there's something special. The Lord has appeared to him before. Of course, we know that in, in Scripture. But what a blessing it is. Here's a true servant of God. I remind you of this verse. Look on the screen. Philippians. Make my joy complete in being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing from selfish and empty conceit, but with humility of mind regarding one another is more important than yourself. Do not merely look on your own personal interests, but also on the interests of others. It sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? Hospitality is important. I'll just... I'll just say this to you, you know, in our day when, uh, in our day when there's hotels and all of these things that we kind of sub out. In that day, they had they, they were they had to they had to truly be hospitable, and they had to show true hospitality, hos, uh, hospitality in the first century. There was no hotels, there were no. So when these traveling preachers came by in the first century, they talked about show hospitality, because. When you're doing that, you're supporting the work of God. You know, and when we have a guest in, we get them a nice room and we give them an offering because we believe that's what the Lord wants us to do. We have a guest coming next month, a guy that will have a bunch of books and will teach us on the things of the Word of God. But think about that. We see Abraham in the first role is what? The role of a servant. Here's the second one. And look in verse 9. And then they said to him, where is he, they said, where is Sarah, your wife? She says, she's there in the tent. And here's what the Lord says. Now, you can take God's promise to the bank. I will surely return to you at this time next year. And behold, Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, God's already told him this. Now, he says it again. He reaffirms them to encourage them. This is going to happen, Abraham. You and Sarah are going to have a child from your own flesh and blood, and he will be, it's through his seed that I'm going to bless. And Sarah was listening at the tent door. Oh, Sarah's eavesdropping going on here. Come on. Which, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and advanced in years, and Sarah was past childbearing. Verse 12, Sarah laughed. She laughed. Here's the Lord preaching his sermon. You're going to have a child. I'm going to visit you this next time next year. And she went, this kid's going to happen. She laughed to herself. She didn't even do it out loud. But what she didn't know, her guest was the Lord of glory that's omnipotent, that knows every thought we have, every secret thought we have. And Sarah laughed and said, after I'm old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, in being old? And the Lord said to Abraham, why does Sarah laugh? Why did she laugh, saying, Shall I indeed bear a child when I'm old? And then the Lord said this, and he says it to us today. Are you hearing me, Trinity Life Church? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? I didn't say it loud enough. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Come on, at that appointed time, I will return at this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. Now she denied it. Liar, liar, pants on fire. 
Sarah denied it, however, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. The Lord knows what's going on. Just be, tell the truth. Lord, I laughed. I've got doubt in my life. Look at this. Now, the Lord promised Abraham in chapter 12 that he would make his name great. He would be the father of the Jewish nation. He would give him a land, and he would give him, he would give him seed. He would give him seed. And he said this, and in your seed, singular, in your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's a scripture about world evangelism. The whole, our, our mission is the whole world. Through Sir Isaac and literally through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now notice this quickly. I won't labor here long. This promise would demand faith from Abraham and Sarah. The promise would challenge them. I mean, God would get them, and God does this many, many times in Scripture. I mean, if I was running that thing, I would say, hey, let's, let's make it a little easier here. Let's don't wait till Pharaoh's chasing us, and there's a Red Sea in front of us, and a, and a big army behind us, the most powerful army on the face of the earth in that day. Why are you going to wait until Abraham is 100 years old, Sarah's 89 years old, and you're going to come and say, no, you're going to have a child. You're going to have a baby. Now, let's don't be super spiritual. We'd laugh too. In fact, Abraham could not criticize Sarah because if you look in chapter 17, verse 17, when the Lord came to him, he didn't only laugh, he fell down on the ground and laughed. So we got two unbelievers that are supposed to be the greatest people of faith. What does it teach us? It teaches us that we, we, we have to stay in faith, that we battle, we battle our doubts, and as they battle their doubts. But you know what? It's, we all have moments of doubt. The greatest people who ever lived had moments of doubt. That's not an uncommon thing. But, oh, could I read Romans to you? Man, when Romans is so powerful, I just open it and things happen. Romans is a great book. Look at, look at this on the screen, Romans 4, 17. Now, we get the story in Genesis, but what we get is commentary, the inward commentary in Romans about what was happening in Abraham's heart. Here's what it says. As it is written, a father of many nations have I made you. That was God's promise. That was what God's will was. In the presence of him whom he believed, even God, who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. In, notice, in hope against hope, Abraham believed so that he might become the father of many nations according to what he had been spoken. So shall your descendants be. Now it came where this promise challenged them. Listen, God may give you a promise and God may give you a challenge that you say there's absolutely no way in the natural that that can happen. And that's what happened to Abraham and Sarah. There's no way in the natural this could have happened. No way. This, this promise demanded a supernatural miracle if it was ever going to come to pass. Verse 19 Without becoming weak in faith, he, he contemplated his own body. And now as good as dead, since he was himself, what was about a hundred years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb, yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded 
that what God had promised that he was able to perform. Therefore, it was credited to him as righteousness. At that moment, God had so worked in his life that he, he looked away. I know that, that we are beyond childbearing years, but Lord, you said in that little private eating meeting, he said, there's nothing too difficult for the Lord. Nothing's too hard for him. And I remember the scripture in Jeremiah. Listen, all Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm, and nothing is too difficult for you. I mean, if God created the worlds, he has power to do anything, and God will fulfill his promises to his people. Trust God with the promise. Don't doubt. He's able to do it. Amen? So we see Abraham as a servant in this chapter. And then we see Abraham as a chosen vessel, an elect person, a real human being that had struggles with doubt. And they came to an impossible situation. And yet God gave them the ability to bear children, a seed, seed, Isaac, from whom would come the Lord Jesus Christ and would bless the world. And guess what? That blessing has reached us, has it not? It's reached me and my family. Thank God Abraham wouldn't give up. In this last role, we see Abraham as an intercessor. Now what we see here is the two angels left, and they went down toward Sodom. And the scripture says, verse 22, And the men turned away there and went toward Sodom, while Abraham was still standing before the Lord. You know, there's many intercessors in the Bible. In fact, the, the ministry for the last 2,000 years of our Lord Jesus Christ has been that of intercession. He ever lives to intercede. Maybe we're no... Maybe we're not any more like the Lord than when, more like the Lord than when we are interceding for others. Here's Abraham. We see of our Lord Jesus Christ that he often went to the solitary places and he prayed. Now, as those men went, in verse 17 it says, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Since Abraham will surely become great and mighty nation, and in him all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So in a sense, the, the Lord shows Abraham, he shows him what he is about to do. And what he's about to do is an ominous thing. He's about to wipe a city and all of its people off the face of the earth. Because the Bible said, their sin had become so grievous, so wicked. When Abraham hears this, his heart is stricken. And the reason his heart is stricken, I think, is twofold. But mainly because he has a family member in Sodom. And he has the family of Lot is there. Something happened in Abraham's heart, and he begins to intercede before the Lord. And he says this in verse 22. Then the men turned away from there toward Sodom, and Abraham was still standing before the Lord. Verse 23, Abraham came near and said, 
Will you indeed sweep away the righteous or the wicked? Suppose there are 50 righteous within the city. Will you sweep away it away and not spare the place for 50 righteous that are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous and the wicked are treated alike. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do justly? So the Lord said, if I find 50 in Sodom, Sodom 50 righteous within the city, I'm going to spare it for their account. And Abraham replied, now, Lord, now behold, I, I venture to speak to my Lord, although I am but dust and ashes. Suppose the 50 righteous are lacking five. Will you destroy the whole city because of five? Verse 29, he spoke yet again and said, suppose 40. And then he goes down to 30. And then he goes down to 20. And he gets all the way down to 10. Notice verse 32. Oh, my Lord, do not be angry. And I shall speak only once. Suppose, suppose only 10. Suppose only 10. And as soon as he had finished, the Lord said, I will not destroy on the count of 10. As soon as he had finished speaking to Abraham, the Lord departed from Abraham. And Abraham returns to his place. I could preach a whole message on, on this right here. But I, I will simply close this message in saying that Abraham cared for, I think, two things. He cared about his family in Sodom, and he cared about the lost people that were there. And when God said, I'm going to destroy the city, now the Lord said, I'm going to go down, and I'm going to see. I'm going to get a report. And what that's teaching us, not that God didn't know what was going on, it's teaching us that God is a just judge. God is just. He is merciful and He is righteous and He is fair. No one will get something they don't deserve, I promise you, because the judge of all the earth will do righteously. Abraham was an intercessor. Abraham was a loving man. He loved Lot. Now, we're about to pray. But he loved Lot. He brought him with him when he left, Ur of the Chaldees. Not only did he bring him with him, when there came conflict between the herdsmen of Abraham and, and Lot, Abraham was so kind and gracious, he gave Lot first place and said, if you go to the right, well, I'll go to the left. Now, what Lot should have done in humility and said, no, you're the senior, you're the elder, you choose. But instead, he chose the best place. But how I many you know when you choose without God, when you don't pray about things, you end up in Sodom. And what the scripture teaches is that, first of all, he was in the plains outside of Sodom, and it was lush in that day. We went there not long ago. It's a barren wasteland. There's nothing lush there at all. You don't want to live there. But then, finally, we find Lot in Sodom. And that's what happens when you compromise a little bit. Usually you go a lot in the end. But Abraham lived a separated life, lived in a tent. He loved Lot, and when he heard that this city was going to be destroyed, here he is in the role of an intercessor. Lord, would you destroy the whole city if 50 or righteous are there? What about 45? What about 40? What about 30? What about you know, 20? What about 10? And the Lord in his mercy said, If I find 10 righteous in the city, I will not destroy it. 
I don't think we realize how one righteous, I don't think we know and understand completely how that one righteous person or a few righteous people can have tremendous impact even on a whole city. But yet in the end, it was not even 10. It was not even 10. And finally, after when, when Sodom was destroyed the next day, Abraham saw the smoke arise and he stood there. And I just wonder, he's probably thinking, how's Lot? How's Lot? Here's, here's how I want to close, if, if we could come to the penitentiary. I want you to stand with me, if you would. I, would like, I know we prayed once at the altar, but I want to give an opportunity again, if we could. I want to give an opportunity again. We see, we see Abraham's role as servant, chosen vessel, and intercessor. I want to focus on intercessor just for a moment. Because I want to pray again. I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray. Think about this. Abraham's role as servant shows us that we all need to be serving. So the question is, are you serving the Lord? Are you serving God? How are you serving Him? Are you serving in His will? And if not, are you willing this moment, this day, in this service to come and pray and say, Lord, I want to serve you. I want to surrender my life to you in servanthood. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to come and just say, God, I sur we surrender as a church, as a people, to serve you. I would also say this, that even though you're not an elect person like to, to do what Abraham did, you are selected by God to serve him. You have a very special role in the work of the Lord. I've said this for years. I don't think most individual people in, in, in churches realize what, how important just being there is. You play a very important role. You need to understand that. And this, that you and I are going to give an account for that role in how we served. Lastly, I would say this. Are you interceding for your family like Abraham interceded for Lot? Do you realize that if your family members do not know Jesus Christ, they're going to die lost? They're going to die lost and go out into a crisis eternity. Does that move your heart? And if it doesn't move our hearts, then something's wrong there. Because we're talking about eternal things. And I think also, I just think about the lost in the city. Truth is, God tried to show them mercy, but yet they got what they deserved because they rejected God. There's a great principle here that isn't it great that the Lord brought Lot out, and I believe the Lord's going to bring his church out because we're not subject to wrath, but we're, we're going to obtain salvation. So here's what I would ask you to do with me today, if you would, please. Maybe we could just come another moment and pray, and maybe... In the area of servanthood, you could just say, Lord, use me. Or maybe you just want to come and pray for your family. We all need to do that. Amen? Would you just, would you just respond and come and join me for a closing prayer in the front of the building? Would you do that? Would you do that? And we're going to just take a moment and surrender and pray for our lost loved ones. Could we do that? It's a great way to conclude our worship day. Remember, Pastor said we're all servants. I want you right there where you are. Just, just quickly, just to talk to the Lord about surrendering all that you are to Him. Would you do that? Would you pray right now?
just call upon the Lord. Whatever God's telling your heart, just say, God, I will do what you have called me to do. Father, I will do it. I will do it. I will serve you. I will be your servant. Thank you, Jesus. Use me, O oh God. Maybe God's calling you beyond the local church to be some kind of servant of missions work, maybe. But just yield yourself to the Lord right now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your good mercies. Thank you, Jesus, for your mercies. We bless your name, Lord. The Word of God says that we're to surrender to Him and offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. Just do that. Lord, I offer myself to you. We give my life to you, my time, my talents, my treasures. I surrender to your will. Show me your will. Maybe you're here today and you don't even know what He wants you to do. Well, just do what's right before you. Be eager to look for opportunities, as I said. Lord, we yield ourselves to you. I pray that you find the joy of serving the Lord. Serving the Lord with gladness and joy. Whether you teach a class, you do it with joy. Whatever capacity, you do it with great joy. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Now, everyone in this room, everyone in the sound of my voice, knows someone who's lost. Everyone knows. You have a family member in your immediate family that's lost, or you know someone that is without Jesus Christ. As we conclude this time of prayer, I want you to pray for that person. Let's take a few minutes and let's bring them before the Lord. I want you to think about that person and bring them to the Father and ask the Lord to save them. Break down the walls of bondage that keep them away from Jesus. Would you do that now? Give myself away.
I know that um, that Grayson, this young man here in front, called, feels called to Mongolia. Is there anyone else that feels like you have a missionary call? Anyone else? I know that Tori and Tori and Kevin, you guys, won't you come, Kevin? I want to pray for for you guys. We're going to ask the Lord's blessing on these. Grayson feels called to Mongolia. He's studying right now, working toward that goal. There's not, uh, right now, we don't have one Assembly of God missionary in Mongolia. Bob and Chrissy Godwin used to be there, but I think they're in somewhere, Bulgaria or somewhere else. They were there for 20 years, probably. And we do have a Bible college there, but we don't have any Assembly of God missionaries there. So we want to pray because we want to be a part of missions. There's a lost world all around us that needs the Lord. Now, listen, you don't have to go to Mongolia. You could walk outside this door and walk down the street and there's lost people. And let me say this to you. We're almost done, but listen, all of us are called to be harvesters. Don't be afraid to share Christ. Don't be afraid to share the love of Jesus with someone. Just share the love of Jesus. You don't have to give them a sermon. Just share it in a natural way. Ask him if they know the Lord. And then you'll know real quick if the door's open or not. They'll let you know. Yeah. But we're all called to be soul winners. One of the greatest ways to win souls, hear this, it's just to invite people to church. It's amazing how that they've done statistics and polls. Do you know most people say that they're open for a church invitation? Huge percent. Yo, yeah, we go to church. I'm saved because someone invited me to church. Because when you come, you're going to hear the gospel. You're going to experience the presence of the Lord. And, and somehow, even lost people know, they feel, this is, this is right. This is what I was created for. So invite someone to the house of the Lord. We want to pray for Tori, Kevin, and Grayson. And I just pray that you would just follow the Lord's will in this. And don't get ahead of the Lord. You know, remember this. Jesus spent 30 years in preparation for three years of ministry. I think many times we, we, we're short on that part. So get, get the training you need, be in God's timing, and then watch what the Lord will do. Let's pray for them right now. Could we, Father, we lift up Grayson, we lift up Kevin, we lift up Tori. Pray, God, that your will would be accomplished. Lord, if your hand is upon them, you are training them right now. Lord, you are doing your work. You're in the, they're in the preparation process right now to be a part of your plan, to be a part of your purpose, to be a part of your will. Lord, there is a world that is lost, just like there was a Sodom that was under the judgment of God. Our world hangs under judgment because they do not know your Son. But Lord, send these as great missionaries. Help us to be a missionary church to support your plan and your will. Because you said to Abraham, I'm going to bless the world through you. And we know that blessing is Jesus Christ. And that's our gospel. That's our message. Lord God, I pray that you supply every need for these. I pray you'd prepare their heart through prayer and through training. And Lord, in your timing, Lord, and usually it's incremental. Lord, you don't give us something we can't handle. But incrementally, you you train your servants. And so, Lord, I ask your blessing upon Grayson, upon Kevin, upon Tori, and anyone else that would feel a special call from the Lord. And Lord, for this we thank you. We thank you in Jesus' name. 
as we conclude this service today, I want to give you this challenge. Make sure somewhere that you write down and that you remember to pray for the lost in your family and that are in your sphere of influence. Pray for them every day. The enemy wants to destroy them eternally. And I, I was just in my mind thinking about in Revelation 20, the final judgment, when the books will be opened. And then it said another book was opened, which is the book of life. And everyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. That's an ominous thing. The world laughs at that as some kind of mythological story. No, no. No, there's going to come a day when every human being that doesn't know Jesus Christ is going to stand before the Lord. And they're going to give an account. And the most important thing on that day is not going to be how much money you made, what people thought of you, or what your power positions are. The only thing that's going to matter in that day is do you know Jesus Christ? Did you put your faith and trust in Him for salvation? Everyone has the opportunity to do that. So let's look for opportunities to pray and to share. So Father, today, thank you for the privilege of worshiping together with your precious people. I pray that you would give us a harvest. God, help us to be aware the fields are already white for harvest, lost people all around us. I pray, oh God, that your blessing would rest upon Trinity Life Church. There would be such a, such a mercy here, such a kindness here, such a love here that those who come would sense kindness and grace. Lord, I pray that you would keep us in your hand. And now, church, I pray the blessing that is, is the reason for the name of this church. I pray for you and I say, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you today.